I mean, and also, there's some new information that have come across my path in the last two months about this message. And the, the new information put pieces together for me. And I believe that uh, it's a, a message, it's a now message for the body of Christ. I thoroughly enjoyed Clem Ferris. Did y'all enjoy Clem Ferris last week? He made the land that we're going to buy so prophetic. Everything that we're doing, you know, it was a very encouraging word. And then the week before then, Elder John gave a message about being led by the Spirit. I thoroughly enjoyed that. And then previous, the pastor gave a message dealing with fireproof of your marriage. And that was a good, good message. Well, my message is going to tie into particularly John and, and the pastor's message. And um, I believe it's going to be a blessing for every one of you. Wherever level you are in your life, I believe this message is going to be a blessing for you. But I, in particular, want those who are single, young adults, the youth, and, and those parents who got kids who you know one day are going to find that nice, and nice, handsome young man. I want you to pay particular attention to this message because what I'm going to share, some of this I did not know when I was um, single. And some of this I had to learn, and I learned by the grace of God. And it, it, it became a blessing to me. It helped me in many areas. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just thank you for your goodness and mercy, Lord. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart not only be acceptable to you, but let it bless your kingdom now. In Jesus' name. Amen. The title of my message is Fireproof Your Relationship Before You Are Married. My text is coming from 1 Thessalonians, starting at chapter 4, verse 1. It says this, Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us instruction, as to how you ought to walk and please God. Now, Paul is talking to the Thessalonians. These were noble people. They received the word from Paul as if it was God. And because of that, it bare much fruit in their lives. But they didn't just receive the word. They searched to see whether those things were so. And so Paul is giving them instruction. He says this. He says, that as you receive from us instructions... As to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk. Now, some of you walk at a certain level where you're pleasing God. Some of you are walking where you're pleasing God and just for everything you know. And so this, this is what this group of people, they were walking and they were pleasing God. And then look what Paul says. He said that you excel still even more. Now, my exhortation to you this morning is that you excel even more. That you go farther on with God. You know how Star Trek say, go where no man has gone before? Well, you go where nobody has gone before. And I believe the power and the Holy Spirit is in you can do it. We can set uh, a trail that others will follow. Because what I'm going to share today is not cultural correct. It's not cultural correct. I didn't have anybody tell me these things when I'm going to share with you. 
when I was coming up, the closest I had was a, a guy by the name of Dirk Prince. He was a theologian. I was living in India at the time. He written a book called God the Matchmaker. That was the closest I come to anyone personally talking to me. And he wasn't personal. I just learned through his books and tapes. But I had no pastor, no one. Now they told me things about walking right before God, but they didn't tell me how I'm going to go about finding my mate. They didn't share those things with me. Whether they knew it or not, I don't know. They just didn't in my life. And if they did, I don't remember. But what I'm going to share with you is something about God's design. And then I'm going to share with you, I'm going to give you some advice on what to do. But I'm going to share with you enough where I may pop up some more questions. If you have questions afterwards, please talk to me. But I'm going to share enough where you can walk in the light as he is in the light. You can walk and please God. And watch this. He said, for verse 2, for you know what the commandments we gave you by the thought of the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in lustful passions like the Gentiles who do not know God. And that no man transgress or defraud his brother in the matter, because the Lord is the vengeance of all these things, just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you. Verse 7, for God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. So he who rejects this is not rejecting God, but, I mean, it's not rejecting man, but God, who gives the Holy Spirit to you. Point number one, fireproof your marriage. Pastor Teller gave an excellent message there. He talked about the pattern for marriage. He talked about um, issues that deal with the husband and the wife. He talked about uh, he had questions and stuff that he answered. And so he dealt with it real good. And then we saw a video where we saw two people who were having struggles. One of them eventually came to know the Lord and so doing it helped him. But that one that came to know the Lord, he had to make decision. It was not based on because he loved her because feelings had gone. Feelings had gone out as far as the wife is concerned. So as I speak, I'm going to put in little keys. Well, here's the first key. Do not, do not make the reason you're going to marry this person is because I love them. Do not do it. Do not do it. Let me add something to that. Don't, make, don't let that be the first thing. Because eventually you're going to have feelings and stuff. But don't let that do it. Because if you do, you're going to have problems. If you don't let something else be first. And I'm going to share with you as we go and you'll see. But Pastor Willie, let's say you're talking about marriage. And Willie was saying these things that go on in a marriage and stuff. And having a problem. He showed statistically that the Christian marriage is failing on the same level as non-Christian marriages. Should that be so? No, it should not be so. Well, why is it so? Could be many reasons. Why is it so? What I want to propose to you, there is one reason that we very rarely touch. And there's a reason that starts way over here before you get married. It's called the dating game. And there's so many things that go on there that set you up over here, not only for failures in your marriage, but eventually divorce. And what I want to share with you, I want to paint a picture and show you how it should be. 
And we have life situations that come about. But then God, if you've got the spirit of God in you, he'll help you walk through those things. And like I said, the things that I'm going to share with you, I didn't have the light that I have now. And Pastor Willie let me speak to the young adults, and they were going through a marriage series. And I didn't have the light then. This was but this was this year sometime, right? Or last year sometime, last year. So this should be a blessing for you. Now, what I'm going to do now is I want you to see a two-minute clip. And this two-minute clip, this pastor is going to tell you the dangers with dating. Okay? He's going to speak about the dangers with dating. I want you to look at this. And it never ceases to amaze me how blind so many people continue to be in relation to dating. Dating involves deceitfulness. A young man or lady will be one way around his or her boyfriend or girlfriend and another way around his family. It violates biblical commands and principles. I found at least seven Bible truths violated by either worldly dating or Christian dating. Dating deletes or dilutes parental involvement and parental authority. How many times has a parent been distressed because his son or daughter liked someone the parent did not approve of? Dating follows no biblical pattern. Even Samson, with all of his girl problems, did not really practice dating like we know it in our day. Dating is a threat to emotional stability. Witness the number of bizarre occurrences, including murders and suicides, that are directly related to dating. Dating is a threat to spiritual growth. Many godly youth have been halted in their spiritual growth because of the way the dating game consumes their life. Dating is a threat to spiritual fellowship. Witness the divisions in youth groups because Johnny used to like Sally and now he likes Susie. Dating is a threat to future happiness because the dating game does not provide a solid foundation for a strong, happy marriage. Dating is an incredible threat to purity and virginity. And the moral impurity that results from the world's dating practices produces unwanted pregnancies, hurry-up weddings, adoption decisions, abortion temptations, hazards of birth control, loss of reputation, habitual yielding to temptation, venereal diseases, and AIDS. Any one of those things by itself should be enough to tell us we really ought to be doing something different in America. And that's true. Any one of those things. And there are lots of more. And there's about 10 hours of teaching, so there's no way I can give you all of it. But I'm going to give you enough to help you, to, to move you through. And what I'm going to do is, is point number two is God's design. You need to know God's design. Typically, what happens is this. I'm going to use a girlfriend. Sir. A girl is under a parent, particular father, and goes along life and the girl meets boy. Boy and girl gets married. Now, while she's under her father's authority, she gives a heart to her parents. She should keep her heart to her parents. Don't give it to another guy until it's that right time, that right one come. How that girl or guy respond to their father and mother, they transfer that to that relationship to that, to that husband. Particularly the girl and the guy, but particularly the girl. So here's the girl is under the father, meets a guy, Gets married. Now that, that authority is transferred to that guy. That guy's to love her, to keep her, to honor her all the days of his life until he die. That's typically how it should go. But we have bumps in the road and stuff. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to show you, give you an illustration, 
and also give you four keys, A, four keys, principles, that everyone should follow to get to the marriage altar. And what I'm going to do first, I'm going to give you the keys, and I go back and touch on them, and then explain some things to you. Key number one, stay asleep and go asleep in relationship to the desire to have a mate or to get married. All your parents, you should write this down. If you don't, you should, you should have it down somewhere where you can get it. Number one, stay asleep or go to sleep in relations to the desire to have a mate or get married. Number two, wake up with the leadership of God-given authority figures. God-given authority figures. Wake up with the leadership of God-given authority figures. Number three, Make a wise decision apart from emotions as much as possible to avoid defrauding. Make a wise decision apart from emotions as much as possible to avoid defrauding. And number four, establish a secure relationship that includes physical purity and winning of the lady's heart. Establish a secure relationship that includes physical purity and winning of the lady's heart. The, the, the one, two, and three is based on in Genesis where it talks about Adam, um, the way Adam brought Eve to, to Adam. Adam, before Eve came on the scene, what was Adam doing? He was working in the garden, tilting it. You can say he was seeking first the kingdom of God. Then there came a point in time that Adam should get married. So what did God do? Put him to sleep. And then Adam woke up. When he woke up, there was not Eve, Sally, Mersu, Merbeth. And then Adam had to choose. See, divorce is practice. I mean, dating is practicing divorce ahead of time. And so what did he do? He had one person for him. And he chose them. Then they got married. And that's the foundation, the first institution. And they live, live on. So when you look at number one, Number one, where it says, stay asleep or go asleep in relation to the desire to have a mate or to get married. Now, from my own experience, I can give you three instances. I've never told you all this. I'm going to give you three instances where I awaken too soon. Some of you are awake now. You need to go to sleep. (laughs) The first time for me, I got saved in 1973. Um, yeah, 1973, it was March. No, it was May in 73. I found out on this fourth issue that dating is wrong. There was no dating pattern in the Bible. When I saw the scripture, there wasn't. I knew that God, um, that wasn't something that God wanted me to do. Now, just because the Bible don't say anything about it, it don't need, necessarily mean that it's right or wrong. You have to have other scriptures. Let me give you an example. The apostles from Acts on say very little, if any, about the virgin birth. But did you know they believe in the virgin birth? They did. By all other things that they said. So how I knew dating was wrong, especially the way our culture practice it, is because other scriptures that's associated with it, that it would be impossible to walk those other scriptures if you're going to date. That's how I knew. From the scripture. Then I know from my own example, I know from the people who I deal with, most of my friends who practice the dating game that I was close with, that I live with, 
that we went to school together. They were real close to me. I said about five. I had more friends, but these were close. Three of them are dead. They did not do what they should have done. They should have honored their parents. They did not. All of them had terrible marriages. One didn't. And um, the one that's alive now, um, he's not married. And it's, it's another one that's alive. They've had a marriage and they, and they got a divorce. One of them used to go to church all the time, knew more about the scripture than I did, but yet did not, you know, make it, did not do what the scripture said. I remember when I began to learn this, it was about, let's say, 73, it was about in 75, 76, somewhere in that neighborhood. And there was a young lady while I was working there. She was an attractive-looking lady. She said she was a Christian. I said, God, could this be it? And I remember going to a house. I never kissed her, never touched her, other than to be friends with her. But she knew I wanted to have a relationship where I thought we was going to end up being married. Well, somehow, it's been a long time. Somehow, I remember going in the house, helping her with groceries. And she told me, she said, I don't think this is going to go any farther. I don't think this is going to make it. And when she said that to me, I was mad. Oh, man, I was mad. I stormed out the house, slammed the door in my car. Three days after she said that, I thank God she did. I look back, I know it was God. I don't know what I was. Probably was more lust than anything. I thought I was headed for love. And it was not so. So God, by his grace and mercy, shut that door down. Basically, he was telling me, go to sleep. Then sometime later, was another girl. This girl I met was in a Bible study. And um, my parents, everybody knew who she was and stuff. And as I was talking to her, my heart was going towards her in a way more than what I thought. This, this deceitfulness of a dated. Even though I never dated her, I never touched her, never kissed her, she too knew that I was headed that way. Uh, I love my mother. She's such a nice lady. She really has a spirit of, of, of a servant spirit much greater than me. And I'll never forget, 2 o'clock in the morning, I was asleep. And all of a sudden, somebody bust through my door. Have y'all, you know, you, you've seen the movie the Nazi uh, prison camp where the guy laid in and a German come in early and wake you up and stuff like that? I barely could see it and the lights was moving and she opened the door and I thought, you know, just, that's what she reminded me of, a Nazi, German. Leave that girl alone. Leave her alone. She ain't right. Here's a key. Women know women better than men. And men know men better than women in most cases. And your parents know. Well, that was God putting me to sleep again. And it won't but a couple weeks. She was right. She was right. Then I began to learn something else. You know, I might need my mama involved in this. I might not be doing so good. Then it came another case. This was the, I was in a church before I joined this church. I joined this church in 1981. This other church I was with, the pastor who God bless his heart, had a beautiful sister that everybody thought I might be interested in. Because by this time, they knew I wasn't dating. And the people, if they saw me with a girl, I mean, it was the talk of town. And so my mother knew this girl and stuff. So she lived in Hampton. And we would go up there because we were, <coughs> excuse me, we were part of the same church. We would go visit and stuff. 
<coughs> and I would visit her in church circles, right around with everybody. Excuse me for a minute. It would not be in private <coughs> by ourselves or anything like that. And I never dated her in a sense that, you know, you call dating now. And I never forget, we was leaving, having a church meeting. Everybody was leaving. Everybody was outside. You know these yellow school buses? The church was getting in one of those. And I reached over to kiss the girl goodbye, and the bus just bent over like that. Everybody looked, whoo, Sam. I mean, old and young. They were, that was the worst ride going back home I ever had. And uh, just because I kissed the girl goodbye. Well, God knew my heart was going that way. At this point, my mother didn't see anything wrong. I think about a month later. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for a minute. (laughs) Thank you. God bless her heart. We praying she'll find a good one. (laughs) We, it was about a month later, the, the church was together, and this young lady, Beautiful young lady. She was going into McDonald's. She was here in Bedford. And I was coming in. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in. Well, he comes in all of it. But I was coming in, and when I, when I saw her at the counter, in my mind, you know, I'm just going in and get a burger and stuff. You know, have you ever take, you've seen somebody take a finger on a chalkboard or, or like chalk and make that irritable, irritable sound and stuff? When I stepped in, if somebody took a blanket and put it over me and that sound came, and I knew she wanted it. I knew she wanted it. And this was before 1981, before I come here. God once again put me to sleep because God knew my heart. I wanted what he wanted. And then come my dear wife, my wonderful, beautiful, lovely dear wife that I got now. One of the reasons I come to this church at that time, and I've said this before it bear witness, there were no blacks here but one person. She was real light skinned. I didn't even know she was, she was black. And this, God told me to be here. This was the church. Now, I would have married anybody. I'm not, you know, I would have married white, green, jap, long as it was God's will. That's what I was concerned. That's all I concerned. So, but I knew at that time it was like six to eight black girls for one man. I didn't really need me. So, so that was my desire. That was my heart. Also, I want to put my flesh down because I made it say I was not going to go searching. The guy that brought me to this church that told me about it, he said, Sam, let's go to different churches. We can find us a girl. And, you know, he was going to the Baptist girl. He wanted them Baptist girls and stuff. Nice girl. I said, you go on your way. I won't go that way. If God brings, if God will have to drop her down in a helicopter or something, I'm going to do what God say. And I did it. I had another thought in mind. If I ever have a girl, I don't want no demons in hell be able to tell me I'm a liar that I did wrong. I want to have strength in that area. That's why I did it. That was 1981. I come here. And, and God brought me my wife. I was praying for the presidency. Wasn't even thinking about her as no wife. By this time, my mother had whispered a little things to me. She was a nice girl. Because they were going to discipleship class on Wednesday. I was working on uh, second shift. I wasn't dating her or nothing. Matter of fact, the first date I ever took on, my mama went with me. And I just, this past week, I had a guy who did not understand what I did. He just jumped all over my case. That's all. He's not married. I've been married now. This July will be 20 years. Stood a good stage. Never dated. 
So what I'm telling you, I'm telling you from my own experience. I'm telling you this. So what is the reason why you want to get married? Make sure it is God's will first and make sure your parents know about it. Don't ignore your parents. If you ignore your parents, you increase your chance for a divorce up 80%. I don't care how old you are. You should have point number two. Watch this. Point number two, it says, wake up with the leadership of God-given authority figures. You should wake up when not only your parents okay, but your pastor or your elders because they watch over your soul. This is not a religious church thing. This is life because your life, the most important decision you make is accepting Jesus Christ. The second one is who you're going to marry to me. So it's important that you understand this. And so there were times in my life while I'm asleep, you have to fight out temptation. You cannot let your emotions run somewhere else. Those of you who have already married and stuff, maybe have kids, you know somebody who got kids. They need to be taught this because our culture is going contrary. The, torch, the, the culture is promoting girlfriend, boyfriend, movies and books and everything. You take your kids to school, you better be teaching your kids because if you're not, they're teaching your kids. And you're going to have a battle, a conflict, because they don't see what the scriptures say versus what they walk in their everyday life. And I'm telling you now, the scripture is true. If stood the time of test, I've been overseas, I could have married, I don't know how many girls. I could have, there are times for my greatest temptation that some young men would love to be in my place. I've been in positions where I had servants to do everything for me. I could have had them take my clothes off if I wanted to. But I've had chance that, like I'm looking now, I was a king to some people. They thought I had money. I didn't have a lick of money. But I could have got all the girls I wanted to get. I could have did everything. I could have played the girlfriend boyfriend game. I refused to. And I've been in some position that's compromised, but I stood on the word of God. And if you take just what I taught, what I've said right now, if you took that along, you'd be in good stead. Y'all still with me? Okay, I told you the Old Testament. Let's look at the New Testament. Let's look at Jesus. If you love your salvation, your salvation tell you how to find a mate. Tell you what to do. Tell you how to stay married and all that stuff. Look at it this way. When Jesus was 12, he knew more about life than his mama, his daddy, the religious leaders. You remember when he was 12, he got... He was in the temple. He was about his father's business. His parents didn't know where he was at. And finally they caught up with him. And uh, he said, didn't you know I should be about my father's business? And Mary held those things in her head. But the Bible said he went and he went in submission to them. The Greek gives the, the indication that he determined to do it. Why? Because at that point, any one of us would have pride. Oh, that ain't nothing but a hypocrite anyway. I know their flaws and stuff. I walk perfect. I obey the word of God. Those temptations could have came at you, but he didn't. So let's figuratively speaking, God put him to sleep. And you didn't hear no more from Jesus until 18 years later. What was he doing during that time? The scripture said he was growing in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. He was learning a trade. He was being obedient as parents. He was taking care of them. He was doing all the things that a young kid should do. If you are 18 or under, I wouldn't even consider getting married. I wouldn't consider a boy. Let me raise that up to 25 or under. (laughs) 
Now, at least 18 or under. You shouldn't even, in our day and age, don't even think about boys. Forget it. Go on and do what you're supposed to do and get your education and all that. Learn to serve God. Serve in missions. Do those things. Because if you don't, you are planting seeds for your own destruction and don't realize it. Especially if you do not honor mother and your parents. Okay. Now, watch this. Jesus pattern. Let me read something to you. And it'll help you in this area. Okay, God put him to sleep. <clears throat> when it was time for Jesus to wake up, number one, the heavenly father and the son together chose the bride for the son. Together. The son of God, number two, the son of God was sent to win the bride. Jesus said, you can't come unto me unless what? The father draw. Number three. The Son of God was continually in communication with his father as he sought the bride. Young people should be continuing communication with your parents, getting their advice. What do you think I should do, Mom and Dad? What about this? What about that? You should continually do that. It's safety. Now, let's say your mama and mother is out of town or then have passed away. You should have some kind of spiritual advice, somebody who, who you trust who would tell you the truth, who would not sugarcoat it, tell you exactly what's wrong. And so far, in over 20 years, I've asked this question. Those who have gotten a divorce, that someone on either side tell you the truth that you should never have gotten married. And it doesn't matter whether the person's a Christian or non-Christian. And up to this point so far, it's really been over 20 years, I've yet to say, say that no one didn't. Someone always did. Now, there's an exception to every rule. But so far, everybody asks, they... They say, yes, somebody told me before it started that I should never had, had uh, married that person. So have somebody who you can communicate with. Number four, Jesus paid the greatest price in history to get his bride. In our culture, we know nothing of the bride's price. She, see, ladies, the Bible said you're worth more than rubies. That young man, sh- see, that's good. Y'all, y'all should shake your hands. And guys, you should treat them the same way. Don't touch them. Some of y'all don't know how to handle that. <laughs> don't touch them. Pastor spoke in his message. It was a scripture coming. He said, don't touch them. Why? Let me tell you what the world, the world, they don't understand this. God has set certain fences, certain guardrails. It's a physical guardrail. Don't commit sexual, sexual immorality. There is a physical, emotional God where God has that. Do you know that is the foundation to the physical? You let your emotional run. It's just like taking, telling somebody not to date and not to do wrong. It's like putting them in a snake pit, snake pit, bunch of rattles. You got to take them out of there. And I'm telling you now, if you play the dating game and you do it the way the world say do it, you are putting yourself in a place where you're going to get bit. And you got to guard that rail. So that's important. Okay. Number five. The bride has the opportunity to accept or reject the groom. The bride have the opportunity. You can accept Jesus or not. Well, one of the things this showed me that the culture that practice where the, where the parents arrange everything, that's wrong. That's too far on that side. Well, we do the dating. We're too far on that side. There is a balance in it. There's a balance in between it. 
And yet, that culture over there seems the divorce rate is less than ours. Why? Because that culture learned one thing, that you shouldn't be basing why you get married to that person on love. Because you can grow in love with a person. A person who you don't love right off. You may just like them. But you can grow in love with that person. That's one thing that culture knows. And also a lot of times, and I'm not, I don't agree with that culture on what they're doing because that, that's abusive as well as this can be abusive. You see? So. Okay, number six. We are not to yet, we are not yet married to Christ. He has given his love to us and we are growing to love him more with every single passing day. Number seven. We cannot touch him, but we will. Jesus is not in the dating game. He wants us to fully love him. That means we're going to do the things it takes to love him. And the last one, hey, our marriage marriage to him will take place in the future. That's the pattern. That's our salvation. That's how we got saved. And that is the pattern by which you can find your mate using those guidelines. Now, back to our text in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 4. This verse says something like this. It said that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. The word uh, possess is the word is a Greek word which means to purchase, provide, obtain, meaning to acquire for oneself or to marry a wife. Actually, you need to put the Greek word for vessel in this because what I'm going to show you are alternate uh, meaning of this verse that can be used and a lot of commenters they they say that this verse meaning that your temple taking care of your temple and it does mean that walk in sanctification but you can also it can also mean this and you got commenters that say this it's, it can mean this let me just say it in a commenter fashion if you're going to do this then you're going to have to know how to acquire your wife in a holy way. That's another meaning of that verse. Instead of an unholy way, in a way that shows her incredible value. That's another meaning of the text. Here's another good verse in Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2. Until this information come across me, I never really, I didn't get the full impact of this verse. But this verse says, for I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. Paul is talking to the Corinth. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I betroth you to one husband so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. He used the word betroth because in the Old Testament, that's when God looked at relationship, he looked at it like this. If I can get it right. You're single, you're betrothed. In the New Testament, it's expiles. And then you're married. That's it. There's no dating in between that. What we do today, uh, what Christians are trying to do is what they call courtship. And, and that would be better than the dating game here that, that we play in our, that we do in our culture. So, another way to look at that verse is, I am anxious that your love should be for Christ alone, just as a pure maiden saves her love for one man alone. And that is important. That's important for us. That's important for uh, the church. Our love should be for Christ alone. We should dedicate ourselves to him. That's what Paul is saying. But he used the, the analogy of a mating. Someone who had never been with anybody, you should save your love for that one person. 
You are valuable. And that man should look at that one person the same way. Here's another way for fathers. It is proper godly jealousy for a father to make sure that his pure daughter saves her love for one man only. Fathers, you got a heavy responsibility to make sure to teach and to encourage and to help your, your daughter to fulfill that role in the scriptures. Now, I want to close by giving you six guiding principles that will help you. And like I said, I didn't know all this that I'm saying, but it helped me. And the first principle is the word of God must be your standard. We talk about this all the time. Pastor Willie talk about this all the time. And the first verse I want to use is Deuteronomy 28, 14. Clem kind of touched on this when he spoke last week. He says this, and do not turn aside from any of the words which I command you today to the right or to the left, to go after other gods, to serve them. Let's go to Joshua 23 and 6. Be very firm then to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses so that you may not turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. And then Proverbs 4 and 27, do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. You want to center in on the word of God. If the word of God do not promote dating, you find out what it does promote and you learn all you can. You stay with it. You stay with it. I'm on criticism and all that. I've had, I have state department dignitaries. I've had all kinds of people criticize me. But I stay with it. And some of those same people will come to me at night and say, how do you do it? How do you do it? And they, their, their marriage was a wreck. But you'll never know it just looking at them. People who got money, people who didn't have money. I'm just telling you, you stick with the word of God. Don't go to the left or right. You do the best you can. God will honor you. That's all I did. Point number two, seek first the kingdom. Adam was seeking the kingdom. What do that mean? Study the word of God. Do what it takes. Find your calling, your giftedness. Serve people. Um, do whatever God tells you to do. But get your mind on God. When it's time for you to find a mate, let God awaken you. And he'll awaken you through leadership and individual. When God spoke to me in my heart about my wife, I knew he had to speak to my, my mother too. And he had already spoken to my mother. But it was one more other person he definitely had to speak to. And that was her daddy. I told my mother, I mean, I told my wife that I would not marry her if her daddy not just give me his blessing, but, but his permission. And let me tell you, my mother <laughs> and my wife was upstairs in the balcony. We just fed my uh, father-in-law a uh, dinner. You know, how they say the way the man's heart is food. Well, you know, we got them all prepped up and everything. And then I was going to mention the big thing to him. And I told him, I said, uh, uh, Pops, I want more than just your blessing. I believe I can get your blessing, but I want your permission. But I want to say this before you say anything. If you say no, I'll not marry your daughter. I'll wait till God speak to you. He started crying. When he started crying, I knew I had him then. It was all. But wait a minute. What y'all don't know, there was some chandelier going on upstairs in the hallway because my wife said, if he had said no, I was going to jump down there. I don't know what she was going to do. But they were praying upstairs. But I wanted to honor him. And he, you know the reason why he said he cried? He said he got five other daughters. None of his son-in-laws did that. None of them. 
Only thing he told me, he said, if you feel like you're going to hit her, bring her home. Well, I'm going to hit her, so he had to worry about that, you know. That's the, only th- that's the only counsel he gave me. But I wanted to honor him. Regardless of how he lived or anything, I wanted to honor him. And that's exactly what I did. So it, it stands in good stead. Number two, walk in the fear of God. This is important. I asked Pastor Willie years ago, I said, what are you teaching your daughters? I can't remember how all the conversation went. But he told me, he said, Sam, I'm going to teach them the fear of God. He said, the reason is they're not going to always be around me, even when they're young. And I said, yeah, that's good. That's good. I'm going to teach my daughter. I don't want to be married. I ain't have no daughters or nothing. I'm going to teach them the fear of God. But guess what? That's still good stead with me because it was the fear of God that kept me out of a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble. A lot of stuff that I could have did. I could have got away. My mama won't around. Nobody but me. And the people I was around would have loved for me to do it. So the fear of God. Number four, parental role must be honored. You must. I cannot overemphasize it. Do not date a guy. Young people. Young people, everyone. Do not date a guy that your mother and father said don't. You trust God because if that's for you, God will drop them down in a parachute to get them to you. I've, in the last two months, I have a testimony as testimony where people, they decide to do that. And God sends them away from another country and matched them and put them together. I mean, God, God is in the matchmaking business. You should give them a chance to do it. Don't you get your flesh in it. And your flesh will get in it. You can't help it. I couldn't help it. This is why you need to make a decision as much as possible away from emotion. You need other people with you. Don't believe this junk out the world where you, when you get married, you ain't married. Your mom and dad ain't married. That's hogwash. When you marry your mom and dad and everything that come with you goes in that relationship. Everything. And then sometimes they tag along with you. So don't believe, don't believe that. That's a bunch of hogwash. That's the world. Okay. Next one is guard your heart. It's so important that you guard your heart. That's a boundary. The world know nothing. The world, they cross over there every day. They just, they don't even see a rope on the physical. The church is trying to have a rope over here, but they're missing. You know the difference between Christian dating and worldly dating? A chaperone. That's the only thing. You take him out, they gone. In its essence, in its simplicity. You take him out, there'd be no difference. But even that, that's problems. Now, there's a way of doing it. I don't have time. There's 10 hours of teaching. There's a way of going about doing it. I know many people are doing it. And they're finding the right one. They're honoring their parents. And they're doing good. So, guard your heart. And then the last one is see yourself as valuable. To sum up everything, I'm going to be like Paul. Finally, then, cornerstone. I request and exhort you in the Lord, Jesus, that as you receive the instruction I'm giving you today as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as some of you already are doing, that you excel even more. You excel in this even more. Remember what I told you about the dating game and the results. Let's close in prayer. Well, everybody bow their head. Father, I just thank you for your goodness. Lord, you desire above everything else to meet our needs And this need to find the right one is so rooted in the Bible that you so much wanted. It was the first institution of marriage. And how we get there 
is by your divine hand and by your power. Lord, give us eyes and heart and firmness and determination to obey your word. Father, I pray for every young person here who are potentially candidates to get married, both men and women, both youth, young and old. Father, I pray that you will give them wisdom beyond their years in this area. I pray that they will be a catalyst to stand against the, the, the culture that is contrary to your will in this area, Father. That they be like Joshua and Caleb. That though everybody else go an opposite way, they're going to have the spirit of faith. They're going to have the, your heart, Lord, in this matter. And I pray for the parents, Lord. Some are already struggling with this area. Father, I pray that you give them wisdom and insight so that they can get across their children in such a way that they understand that you love them, that you care for them, that their mama and daddy care for them, that they go to the bed for them, and don't give their hearts to someone that they should not give their hearts to. And so, Father, I pray that the words that I speak, that I've spoken, that which is anointed of you, I tell Satan, you take your hands off these young people's lives. You take your hands off their heart and their desire to please you. I tell you now, the seeds that have been sown, you will not snatch out and take away. I pray, Father, that you will keep that which is committed to you, and I know I can trust you for it. Bless your people now. I say this in the name of Jesus. And everybody say, Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you.